Welcome, you are listening to Unlocking the Truth, the podcast channel by Precept Ministries Canada. Come discover God's truth for yourself by studying His Word and deepen a personal transformational relationship with God. This series called In Faith Alone will get you deep into the Book of Romans. Dig deeper by following along with the Bible study, Experiencing the Power of Life-Changing Faith, the new inductive study series on Romans, available at preceptministries.ca. Now here is Mark Sheldrake with Unlocking the Truth. Hello everyone, it's Mark Sheldrake here, another episode of Unlocking the Truth podcast. This is a ministry of Precept Ministries in Canada. Thank you for tuning in with us, and we know there are people all over Canada as well as many other places around the world who are listening into this workshop, and we're thankful for this technology and that we have the ability to produce this bi-weekly podcast and walk through the scriptures together. And I pray that our time in Romans has been beneficial for you as much as it has been for me. I'm looking forward to episode six that we have coming up today on Romans chapter five. But before we get in there, I just want to tell you a couple things that's happening at the pre- at the ministry. Uh, did you know that we're doing in-person workshops again? Uh, a great opportunity to get training in how to study the Bible using Precepts Inductive Bible Study Method. And you can uh, go on our website and learn about these in-training opportunities. But I want to tell you about one specifically, and it's coming up in July. I know that July is a long way away, but uh, July, and uh, we're going to be doing a workshop called Understanding a Difficult Passage. And that is based, <clears throat> excuse me, on John chapter 15, and it is going to be uh, July 20th to the 22nd. And we have the privilege of inviting up uh, Tommy Hamill uh, from Precept Ministries in Chattanooga, Tennessee, which is the head office for our ministry. Tommy has been serving uh, alongside Kay Arthur uh for a very long time, and she has overseen the training department. She's involved in uh, writing the content and the precept upon precept studies and uh, been very uh, crucial in writing a lot of the training workshops we do, as well as some of those leader guides you might be using from the precept upon precept courses. She is a wonderful teacher, and this is a great opportunity for you to learn how to dig in and study one of those difficult uh, passages that we've got. We've also got a workshop on difficult subject. Uh, maybe that'll come in, be coming back um, through uh, the country at some point in 2023. Uh, you can also join uh, one of our mentoring programs. We've got some great leadership mentoring uh, opportunities, and you can go on our website and find all, all about it by clicking on the Leader tab and then Mentoring Groups and see uh, how these great opportunities to uh, be in a mentoring group, learn about leadership and how to engage others in the Scriptures. And so uh, myself and Beth Schmidt and Carol Folkeringa are leading uh, one of those mentoring groups, and uh, feel free to register and apply for those. Uh, online. So uh, finally, as we uh, close out our announcement time, uh, check out the website again for workshops coming up, but most importantly, the Cross Canada Tour. And we're going to be looking at the inerrancy of Scripture 
And we're going to be walking through Romans chapter 5. And you're going to see, even in this week's episode, as we look at Romans 5 a little bit closer, oh my, this could be literally uh, five, six messages in Romans 5. If I were preaching in a church on a regular basis, we could spend a ton of time in Romans chapter 5. But uh, we're going to dig it out. We're going we're gonna to see the golden nuggets of Romans 5, not only today, but we're going to do it within a workshop, and we're going to show you how to engage in a discussion around that chapter with others. So you want to check that out. We're still looking for some locations to have uh, training, and it's not just dedicated to that week in September. We'd love to bring this training to you any time throughout the year, even even if it's into 2024. Uh, our hope and desire is to continue to build that community uh, and getting together face-to-face. There's nothing like face-to-face um, community and being together with people in Bible studies. And it just reminded me again of the value of our Israel tour. We had somebody just mention uh, the wonderful testimonies of how uh, there was great camaraderie and community in the Israel tour, and we want that for all of the events that we do across the country. So without further ado, let, let me commit this time to the Lord, and then let's dive into Romans chapter 5. Father, we do thank you for the time that we have before us. We thank you for the opportunity to open your word and be able to do this without facing any persecution or struggle for for having uh, the freedom to be able to use this tool to share the truth of your word with others. Lord, I pray for receptive hearts uh, for those who are listening, but also, Lord, for an opportunity for us to be challenged again uh, by the power of your Holy Spirit with what the word of God has to say. We thank you for uh, the truths that will be revealed today and have been revealed even in my study time. So we commit our time to you now. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. <clears throat> wow, uh, we're we're just into Romans chapter 5, episode 6. We're kind of flying through this. Just so you know, folks, we do have a, a two-year course on Romans, and it is fantastic. But if you're following along in the new inductive study series with us, praise the Lord for that, because even uh, doing an overview of Romans is so beneficial. And I pray that uh, every time that we come together, through these episodes that God is doing a work in your life and you are uh, being uh, challenged by these truths. So let me just walk us through where we've been. And as we look at where we've been, remember that Paul is building his case and we're going to uh, be able to uh, see that case built uh through Romans 1 and on. So here's what we learned so far. Uh, the gospel is the righteousness of God revealed. We also learned that, the God, that God has the power to save both Jew and Gentile, and that happens through uh, the blood and of Jesus Christ when he was sacrificed on the cross. Uh, secondly, we also learned that God's wrath is revealed against all unrighteousness that he shows no partiality to groups of people, whether it be Jew or Gentile, and that uh, when it comes to sin, we learned that God hates sin, and he hates it regardless of who is doing it. And because he hates sin so much, and because he is a just God, he has to deal with sin. 
but we also learned that men are without excuse, that God had made himself evident to the world through creation, that his invisible attributes were made known. So Gentiles have no excuse because they didn't have the law. And Jews, they were revealed, they had revealed the righteousness of God. They were shown how to live righteous in light of who God was and his holiness through the law. And because all of these things were put in place, men are without excuse when it comes to sin. So, so we learn that Paul says, all have sinned and fall short of the glory of God. We also learn that salvation is by faith and that we are justified, or as we learned, we are made right or in right standing before God only by the grace of God. And that comes through the blood of Jesus Christ and not by our own works. And then Paul built on that subject by saying, Abraham, Abraham, the father of the Jews, is one of the examples of one who was made righteous by faith and not through the law. We also learned in the last episode that David taught on justification by faith uh, in, his, uh, in the Psalms. And so if we were to stop our teaching right now, okay, if we were just to say, you know what, we've had enough of Romans, let's, let's go on to something else. Uh, the listener to this podcast, but although also the reader of the book of Romans, this is what they would know. They would know that every single person in humanity needs to be saved from the wrath of God and that there is a way to be saved. All right. So that's what everybody should know up until this point. But there's still a lot of questions that need to be answered as we work through the book of Romans. Let me give you two questions that come from Romans chapter 5. All right. And they are, how are we sure that this justification will last? How do we know that our right standing with God is permanent? Can we lose it? You see, this is one of the topics that comes up in the understanding a difficult passage in John 15. The question is, can I lose my salvation or can I lose my justification and right standing before God? And so when people read John 15, for example, and they look at a few of the verses in that, they say, oh my goodness, I can lose my salvation. But remember, context is king. Context is king in all of Scripture. So it's important for us to know what is being said throughout the Scriptures. So the question becomes, how long does it last? And how can we be confident that our right standing with God is permanent? The second question that comes out of it is, how is it possible for God to save a sinner through the death of Jesus? And so we're going to look at these things uh, as we go through Romans chapter 5. And I'm praying, I'm praying, and I know I'm watching the timer that's clicking away on this recording system. And I, and I already know. Uh, I can remember when Kay Arthur, she was doing an introduction uh, for her talk, and she was looking out at the crowd and she was doing some announcements like I just did and they took about five minutes, she'd say to the person, don't start my clock right now. Don't start the clock. I'll tell you when to start the clock. Well, folks, we've done the introduction. We've done the opening prayer. We've done the announcements. The clock starts now. All right. So the clock starts now on this. And so, oh Lord, I pray that this doesn't go all day long because there is so much here in Romans chapter five.
Uh, Romans chapter 5 starts with a conclusion. Uh, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. All right, so the term of conclusion, we have to go back into chapter 4 to see what that conclusion is. And I would, I would like to argue for our sake and for the sake of time that the term of conclusion is based on the very last verse of Romans chapter 4. He who was delivered over because of our transgressions and was re- raised because of our justification. I'd like to even argue even further that the entire basis of Romans chapter 5 comes down to the last two words of Romans chapter 4, which is our justification. And so Paul's going to explain two truths that come out of our justification. So he's going to explain these two things. All right, so if you're a note taker, these are the two things that he's going to explain. One, he's going to explain the blessings that come from our justification. And the second thing that he's going to explain is the basis of our justification. All right, so those two things are going to really encompass Romans chapter 5. All right, so let's look at uh, that first verse again. Therefore, having been justified uh, by faith, remember, as we've come through, we've seen that none of this justification or being made right is by anything that we can do. It's only by faith. And that's why he gave the example of Abraham in the previous chapter, was that it was by faith, all right, by the step of faith that Abraham made that he was considered righteous. So it's not by works. So he's he's got past tense here. He's saying, having been justified, which indicates to us that justification is a one-time act, and it's not an ongoing process. All right, one scholar wrote regarding justification, it's a one-time legal declaration with a continuing result. All right, this goes back to the argument that we made in the previous episode that we discussed that righteousness was put on our account by faith. So justification is our standing before God. All right, sanctification is worked out in and through our lives by the Holy Spirit. All right, sanctification is that being conformed to the image of God daily. Justification never changes, all right? Uh, Sanctification does cause change. All right, so what he's saying here in this is that we have uh, been justified, how? By faith. All right, so now let's look at, there are five blessings that come out of justification. The first blessing comes in verse 1. And he says, Therefore, having been justified by faith, we have, blessing number one, peace with God through Jesus. All right, so uh, Romans chapter 5, verse 10, here's what it tells us. It says, For while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his Son. Much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. So there's a contrast here between verse 1 and verse 10. Verse 10 tells us that at one time we were an enemy. 
of God. But now, having been made right, we are at peace. All right, the the peace that Paul is referring to here is not an internal peace. All right, it's not a calmness of our heart or our mindset or uh, an idea or a principle of some type of serenity. Uh, it's this is an external truth. All right, this is this is not about us feeling all good and at peace with inside. Yes, yes, it does produce that within us, but but there's still a war raging within us, and which we'll come to in, in coming chapters. But this piece is an external truth, all right? There is a truth that is to lie here, and the truth is this, that we now, having been made right by faith through the blood of Jesus Christ and our belief in what happened in the cross at the cross, we're now at peace with God. And what he's talking about here is the idea of harmony. And so what he's saying is we're now in harmony with God. Once we were enemies, but now we are in harmony together. Let me give you an idea of what this harmony would look like, because we see a similar harmony in John chapter 1, uh, verse 1. And listen to how this harmony comes together in Jesus the Son of God, and God himself. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was God, uh, was with God, and the Word was God. Uh, They're together, and they are one. Uh, Ephesians chapter 2, verse 14, also uh, shows us some harmony uh, when we have this peace with God. Ephesians 2, 14, For he himself is our peace, who made both groups into one and broke down the barrier of the dividing wall. So this peace, it simply means this. It means that our problem with sin, that really this sin that led to wrath, has been settled. There is no longer a problem because of the blood of Christ. We have been moved from being in a place of being judged by God to now being called a child of God, and he now moves from being judge to our Father. And so we're now in harmony. There's nothing between us. There's no gap of sin that causes us to be apart. And so we now can be together in harmony because of what Jesus did on the cross. Blessing number one is peace. Blessing number two is found in verse two, uh, the first part of verse two. And so what he says in chapter two, verse two, is the following. He says, therefore, having been justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom also we have obtained our inheritance, our introduction by faith. All right, so blessing number two, we have access to God. We have obtained our introduction. I mean, this is so cool. When you think about the Old Testament, how did people in general approach a holy God? They didn't. They didn't approach a holy God. If you go back to the book of 
uh, Genesis and Exodus, and and specifically when God got the when God gave Moses the law in Exodus, we saw that Moses had access to God and he went up onto Sinai into the presence of God, and then Moses would relay to the people what God had said to him. We also see that when the tabernacle was set up, that Aaron was sanctified or separated and set apart for the purpose of going in to make sacrifices and doing the priestly duties. Once a year, Aaron would enter into the Holy of Holies and he would be in the presence of God. But only Aaron would be able to do that or the high priest. And so God had promised to Jeremiah that there was coming a covenant, a covenant change where he would be their God and they would be his people. The author of Hebrews tells us that we can draw near with confidence to God. Matthew chapter 27 verse 51 tells us that when Christ died on the cross, that the veil was torn in two, exposing the Holy of Holies, allowing access to God. And Hebrews chapter 10 is, the, is one of the verses that I want to look at. In Hebrews chapter 10, uh, verses 19 to uh, 22. And, and listen to what the author of Hebrews tells us about access uh, to God. So uh, starting at verse 19, Therefore, brethren, since we have confidence to enter the holy place by the blood of Christ, by a new and living way which he inaugurated for us through the veil that is his flesh. And since we have a great high priest over the house of God, let us draw near with a sincere heart in full assurance of faith, having our hearts sprinkled clean for an evil conscience and our bodies washed with pure water. What do we have the ability to do? All right, if you look back into Romans chapter 5, Verse 2, he says, Through whom also we have attained our introduction by faith into this grace in which we stand. <laughs> it's absolutely amazing to think about this principle of standing, which means that we are in a permanent position. Uh, because of being at peace with God, because of that by being justified by faith, we now have the introduction and we have the ability to access God. And we can access God through the blood of Jesus Christ. There's no longer a barrier between the two. We have permanent position which gives us access. You want to learn more about that? Study the book of Hebrews. It is a phenomenal book to study. All right, let's look at the third one. Because we have peace with God, we have access to God. Uh, verse, the second part of verse 2 tells us that we exult in the hope of the glory of God. So another blessing of justification is that we hope. And so what do you and I hope for? Well, when I look around the world and what we're living in the midst of in our culture today— uh, we have hope in a future glory that is to come. Uh, just this past weekend, Jessica and I, we watched the movie The Jesus Revolution, which is the Chuck Smith story, but it also has uh, 
the the kind of the beginning of Greg Laurie's ministry. And if you've not seen that movie, it is absolutely amazing to see how Chuck Smith opened his church to the hippie movement and allowed these people to to seek truth in a way and be be transformed by the gospel in which uh, they say is one of the greatest revivals in American history. I have a hope that that God will do that again within our country and within North America and even in the world. But I have an even greater hope that there is a glory to come in which Christ will reign on the throne and I will be with him. The idea of exalting is to express a high degree of confidence in someone or something. It's being... Uh, someone being exceptionally noteworthy. Paul's built his case that we are all sinners and we all fall short of the glory of God, that we all face a wrath of God, the wrath of God. But it is through faith in Jesus that we can be saved. Uh, Paul expands on this in the book of Ephesians, which is, again, if you've been following this podcast for a long time, Ephesians chapter 2 is one of my most favorite chapters in the entire Bible. And, and I love going back and referring to it. But verses 11, 12, 11 and 12, they give us a clear, of chapter 2, 2, 11 to 12, give us a clear picture of what it was like to be without hope. Therefore, remember that formerly you the Gentiles in the flesh who called uncircumcision by the so-called circumcision, which is performed in the flesh by human hands. Remember that at one time you were separated from Christ excluded from the commonwealth of Israel and strangers to the covenant of the promise. You had no hope and you were without God in the world. But we can also see uh, from uh, Ephesians chapter 2 verses 8 and 9, because we are without hope, he also says, for by grace you have been saved through faith and that not of yourselves. It is the gift of God. It's not a result of works so that no one can boast. So even though you're, you're without hope, you can't boast in your works to bring about uh, your salvation. Paul says in Romans 5 verse 2 that you can only boast in the hope of the glory of God because what Christ did for you on the cross. Ephesians chapter 2, but God in his grace sent his son Jesus Christ. You see, this hope that we have in a future glory, it, it changes the way we interact. And it actually is going to show us, as Paul builds through, that what this hope is going to produce. All right, and so this hope actually produces the fourth blessing. All right, so let me remind you of the first three before we move on. Peace with God, access to God, and a hope. Okay, these are all vital blessings that come out of being justified by faith. The fourth is that we have a daily confidence to live in our tribulations. Verses 3 and 4 it says, Not only this, but we also exult in our tribulations, knowing that tribulations bring about perseverance, and perseverance proven character, and proven character brings hope. <laughs> Do you see how they, they, they bring back to each other what, what actually is 
going. We have a hope and a future hope, but we also have confidence to live in the midst of our tribulations. Uh, The idea of tribulation here, this is so much more than us living our daily lives for Jesus. All right, it's so much more than us living our life to bring glory and honor to God. But this word tribulation, it means to be pressed or crushed or squeezed. Uh, One compared it to that of an olive press or a wine press where you're crushing the grapes to produce uh, the olive oil or the uh, the grape juice that can then be fermented into wine. Paul builds on this principle in Romans chapter 8. And when he says in Romans chapter 8, verse 35, he says, Who will separate us from the love of Christ? Tribulation, distress, or persecution, famine, nakedness, or peril, or sword. The idea is that nothing will separate us from the love of God, even if this suffering and persecution leads to death. All right, so what Paul is referring to here is that as we have peace with God, we have access to God, we have hope in God, but none of that justification removes the external trials of life that we are going to face. Justification doesn't mean that we are not going to suffer. What he's referring to here is the tribulations that are going to come in our life because of our relationship with Christ. These tribulations are what Jesus referred to when he sent the disciples out. They are going to hate you because of my name. We see through the life of Paul all of the tribulation that he had in light of sharing the gospel. Paul called these moments of tribulation momentary light affliction, which was being exchanged for an eternal weight of glory. So what Paul says is that we have confidence. This hope produces confidence as we look to the future and we know what's coming. We have a daily confidence to face our tribulations. And what these tribulations do for us is they build our Christian character. Uh, Perseverance allows is is the ability for us to uh, remain and stand and hold within that trial, knowing that we're not going to waver in our faith. And so as we persevere in those trials, it proves our character and our identity in Jesus Christ. And as our identity is proven and we grow by the very fact that we have persevered through our trials, it only produces more hope for us of what is to come. It's absolutely exciting to see that what justification does for us. Justification gives us a right standing before God. It allows us to access access God on our own and go before him through our great high priest in Jesus Christ. It also gives us a hope that is producing for the future to come, but that hope also produces a daily confidence for us to live 
in light of the suffering and persecution we might face in our relationship with God. And the more we experience these tribulations, the more we see how we our proven character comes through, we come to the fifth blessing. And the fifth blessing is encompassed in Romans chapter 5, verses uh, 5 to 11. And it is that we get to experience the love of God. He says, and hope does not disappoint because the love of God has been poured out within our hearts through the Holy Spirit who was given to us. For, for while we were still helpless, at the right time Christ died for the ungodly. For one will hardly die for a righteous man, though perhaps for the good man someone would dare to even die. And while, uh, But God demonstrates his own love towards us in that while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Much more than having now been justified by his blood, we shall be saved from the wrath of God through him. For if while we were enemies, we were reconciled to God through the death of his son, so much more, having been reconciled, we shall be saved by his life. And not only this, but we also exult in God through our Lord Jesus Christ, through whom we have now received uh, uh, the reconciliation. Woo! This is absolutely amazing truths that Paul is dropping down here. And so just think about this as he starts this out. He tells us that the love of God has been poured out within. What is he referring to? He is referring to the act of Christ's sacrifice on the cross. But but what he's setting the standard here for is look at when this love of God was poured out. He says in verse 6, when you and I were enemies. What? What? It's absolutely amazing to think that if God would pour out his love for you and I while we were enemies with him, how much more will he do that for us now when we are his children? And what Paul wants us to look and think about is he wants us to remember how God lavishly poured out his love when we were enemies. And when we remember these truths, that God sent his son Jesus, for God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. That God, as he poured out his love for us as enemies, how much more will he pour out his love for us in the midst of suffering? How much more will he show his love and pour it out for us as we go through the tribulations of this life for the sake of his son, Jesus? One scholar wrote about this topic, and he said, The Holy Spirit produces in the believer an immediate and overflowing consciousness that he is the object of God's redeeming love and that this guarantee, uh, that this hope will not disappoint him. That in this guarantee that God poured out his love, that hope will not disappoint. And so we have to stop and we have to ponder and think about experiencing the God's love. Remember, 
even if you're driving, don't do this, but just think back, close your eyes if you have to, but remember back to your life when you were an enemy of God. Think about the life that you were living in disobedience to him. Think about how far you were from the presence of God. Think about how far you were from being at peace with God. Think about how far you were apart from him and you could not access him. But God lavishly poured out his love. And he did that by providing a sacrifice, providing providing an unblemished lamb in his son, Jesus, to carry all of his wrath, to make payment for sin so that you and I would not have to die for what we have done in our lives. And by faith in believing in Jesus, that we are then justified. And because we, by faith, believe in the work of the cross, we have peace with God. And because we know all these things and we remember what God did for us in pouring out his love when we were enemies, we know that the hope of the future and the promises that are to come will not be a disappointment to us. These are the blessings that come out of justification. All right, let's look at the next section, and that's verses 12 to 21. And here in these uh, sections, remember I told you that Paul's going to break this down into two basic things. One is that uh, the blessings of justification, and the second is what is the basis of justification. All right, so uh, let's start this section by going back to some inductive Bible study principles. All right, so let's go back to the basics for a minute, and let me give you a couple of pieces of information. In God's Word, when you see a word that is repeated, it is called a keyword, and a keyword is a word that unlocks the meaning of the text. If you took that keyword out of the text, the text would fall apart. And so uh, keywords are very important. They're repeated, they uh, hold meaning, and they unlock the truth. There are two key words found in verses 12 to 21, and they are vital for us to understand this, this section of Scripture. The first key word is the word one. All right, so the word one is used, and I'm going to show you, uh, and you can grab your Bible or you can uh, just write them down or whatever it is you want to do, but the word one in verses 12 to 19 is mentioned 11 times. All right, so let me just walk you through these 11 times. Uh, verse 12, therefore, just as through one man centered, sin entered into the world. Uh, verse 12. Verse 15, the free gift is not like the transgression, for by the transgression of the one, the many died. Much more did grace of God and the gift by grace of the one man, Jesus Christ, should be many. Verse 16, the gift is not like that which came through the one who sinned, for on the one hand the judgment arose from one transgression. 
All right, verse 17, for by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one much more. Uh, Also in verse 17, righteousness will reign in the life through the one, Jesus Christ. Verse 18, so then as through one transgression resulted condemnation to all men, so through the one act of righteousness there resulted justification. Verse 19, fruit through the one man disobedience, many were made sinners. Through the obedience of one, many will be made righteous. All right, so 11 times the word one is mentioned. If you took that one out of there, you lose the contrasts that are we're going we're gonna to look at in just a few minutes. The other key word, it's mentioned there five times. And the word is reign. Verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses. Verse 17, for if by the transgression of the one, death reigned through the one. Uh, Also in verse 17, the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. Uh, Verse 21, so that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Five times mentioned. Two words mentioned together 16 times uh, between the two. 11, 1, 5, righteous. Here's what the key principle is that Paul is sharing in the last section of this as the basis of our justification. One scholar explained it like this, that when God looks at the human race, he sees only two men. He sees Adam and Jesus Every person in humanity is either in Adam, which means that they are lost, or they are in Christ, which they are saved. There is no middle ground for people that God sees either Adam or Jesus, and by looking at that, he sees one who is lost and one who is saved. All right, so this is what Paul is going to show us through these verses. Verse 14 also want to draw attention to this. Nevertheless, all right, so therefore, he says, just as in verse 12, therefore one man's sin entered into the world, death through sin, and so death spread to all men because all sinned. For until the law, sin was in the world, but sin is not imputed when there is no law. All right, so what did the law do? It it taught us what sin was. Uh, Galatians tells us that the law was a tutor. Verse, 15, uh, verse 14, nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense of Adam, who was a type of him who is to come. All right, so let's, let's just walk through the principle of a type. All right, by definition, the type is something that points to something else. In this case, Paul is using Adam as a type to point to Jesus. Well, the thing is, what would we say? Okay, we might ask the question, well, what what do Adam and Jesus have that are similar that would make them a type? Well, here's one thing that I think that makes them similar. Both are similar that in their actions, they affected the change of the course of the world. All right, so through Adam, sin entered into the world. 
but through Jesus, life. Okay, so through Adam, sin resulting in death. Through Jesus, righteousness resulting in life. All right, so uh, there is a contrast through these verses and throughout Scripture that I quickly want to look at. And uh, there's Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 45. He, he refers to the first Adam and the last Adam. All right, so he's referring to Adam and, of course, Jesus. So what do, what do they... What do they have in contrast? Okay, Adam was created from the earth, from the dust of the ground. Jesus, he is from heaven. Uh, he was with God before uh, the world was formed or ever shaped because he was God. All right, so there's a massive contrast between the two. Adam was given uh, rulership and authority over the old creation, he was told to cultiv- cultivate and rule and give names to all of the animals that were created. But Jesus, he is our king and high priest, and he's going to rule over the new creation. Uh, another contrast between the two is that Adam was tested in the perfection of the Garden of Eden, and he disobeyed by eating the fruit. Jesus, when he was living on this earth, he was tested in the wilderness, but he was also tested when he went to the cross. And in both cases, he was obedient to the Father. Because of Adam's disobedience in the garden, Paul tells us in Romans that disobedience brought about sin. But because of Christ's obedience, To the cross, he brought about righteousness, salvation, and life. Paul tells us that in Adam, in this last section of Romans chapter 5, that because of Adam's sin, sin and death reigned. But in Jesus, grace reigns. And that believers will reign in life. So let's go back to the point of how God looks at either Adam or Christ in the scope of all humanity. It's who we identify with. So before, when we are born, we have talked about this in previous podcasts, that we are born, we are born with inherited sin. <clears throat> we are born with the sin that comes from Adam's disobedience because we are a part of his family and his creation. We've all come through Adam. And because of that sin, we had wrath uh, coming for us because we were sinners. So we identified with Adam. And so because when we identified with Adam, we identified as lost in need of a Savior. This is what Paul has been pointing to in his entire argument about justification by faith. But in Jesus, in Jesus, we know that Jesus was God's son, that he was perfect, that he went to the cross for the sacrifice of sin because he was the only one who could carry sin and wipe it away for all people. That when we identify with him, we then have the gift, the free gift that comes 
which is eternal life. Listen to what Paul says in verse 14 again. Nevertheless, death reigned from Adam until Moses, even over those who had not sinned in the likeness of the offense. Adam, who is a type of him, is to come. But the free gift, that is, it is not like the transgression. For if by the transgression of the one many died, much more did grace of God and the gift by grace to the one who man, the one man, Jesus Christ, abound to the many. The gift is not like that which through the one uh, sinned. For the one on the one hand, judgment arose from one transgression, resulting in condemnation. But on the other hand, the free gift arose from many transgressions, resulting in justification. So there's a couple comparisons here that I want to walk through to wrap up our time together. And the first is coming in verse 15 and 16. The first comparison is the offense. It's the disobedience of Adam and what it brought to many. The disobedience of Adam brought death. It brought judgment and condemnation on us because of his sin. But the free gift that comes in Jesus Christ, that's not like the condemnation that comes. But the free gift results in our justification, that when we believe in Jesus, we are then made right before him. And what do we have? We have peace. They're completely different. One is headed for wrath and one has right standing before God. Uh, Verse 17 also gives us another contrast. For if by the transgression of the one death reigned through the one much more, those who receive the abundance of grace and of the gift of righteousness will reign in life through the one Jesus Christ. So what's the other comparable? Death versus life. (laughs) This is the argument that Paul has produced since the beginning. Death for sin, life in Jesus. Uh, Verse 18 brings about another contrast. So then as through one transgression there resulted condemnation to all men, even so through one act of righteousness, that resulted in justification of life to all men. Uh, Condemnation, judgment for sin. Why? God hates sin. What's it lead to? Well, last episode we talked about the wrath of God. And so it leads to the wrath of God. And then also we have justification. Well, we've just seen through Romans chapter 5, What does justification lead to? Peace with God. Verse 19 brings about another another, uh, contrast. For as through the one man's disobedience, the many were made sinners, even through the obedience of the one, many will be made righteous. Do you see the comparisons in the list I gave you a few minutes ago? Uh, Disobedience bringing about sin, obedience bringing righteousness, salvation in life. These are the contrasts between Adam and Adam and Jesus. Uh, one more contrast to look at and comes in verse 20. The law came in so that the transgression would increase, but where sin increased, grace abound all the more. What did the law do? The law, law only showed everybody what sin was and what was God's view of sin. But when the law came and showed how much sin there was, it showed us how much more the grace of God abounds through the sacrifice of Jesus Christ. 
So what is the result of all this? Well, isn't it interesting that Romans 5 begins with a term of conclusion, a therefore, and Romans 5.21 concludes with a therefore. And he says in verse 21, So that as sin reigned in death, even so grace would reign through the righteousness to eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Here's the simple truth that you can walk away with this week and remember with all your heart that believers are in Christ Jesus. And because we are in Christ Jesus and we have been washed by the blood of Christ, we have peace with God. We now stand right with him. We no longer face the wrath. We have access to him. We have a daily confidence to live in light of what is to come, even in the midst of our tribulations. We have experienced the overwhelming love of God when Christ was sacrificed for us. And because we are in Christ, we now live in victory. And what have we won? We have won the victory over sin. Sin no longer reigns in our life. Five times the word reign is repeated in the text. In Adam, sin reigned in our lives. We were slaves to sin. It ruled over us. But in Christ, sin no longer rules over us. We have been set free from sin by the love and sacrifice of Jesus on the cross. And so now what reigns? Grace reigns through the righteousness being made right before God to the point that we will have eternal life through Jesus Christ our Lord. Praise the Lord for the victory we have over sin. Let's live our lives in the light of this victory. We no longer need to live in guilt that sin rules our lives. It doesn't mean we are free from ever sinning again. We will sin, we will, but it doesn't rule us. We are ruled by Christ. We live in right standing with God. We have the daily confidence to live in the great hope that is to come. Jesus is coming back, and he's coming back for you and me. Be ready for that day of his return, the day that he calls you home. And remember the love that was poured out for you on the cross. Live for Jesus every day. Father, we do thank you for the truths that come through Romans chapter 5. What a blessing it is to be reminded of these truths, even if we have heard them a million times, Lord. Make them afresh and anew in our hearts today. Remind us, Lord, of what it was like to live our lives apart from you. And then, Lord, let us again experience and remember that moment when we laid our lives down for you and we said, 
be the ruler of my life. Be Lord of my life. And we experience that freedom that comes in knowing that we're no longer slaves to sin. While we were enemies, God, you poured out your love for us. Help us to remember that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. We appreciate you in joining us in this series of Unlocking the Truth with Preset Ministries Canada. Visit our website, presetministries.ca, to find in-person and online studies and workshops that will further your journey in His Word and give you the tools to know God deeply and live differently.